Hey guys, this is Ali Salama. I am the Middle East Mental Health Ambassador, and I connected with Pablo at Podcast Movement in LA. Uh, I think you should too, uh, because one of the things that I love about Pablo is his energy. And I've been many places, I've seen so many people, interacted with hundreds, and I think that what makes Pablo stand out to me is the fact that he is uh, a rare kind of guy that looks to connect in serving people. And that statement, connecting through serving people, is truly a, a testament to how much of a genuine guy that he is. And I say this with, with, with my full heart. So I think that you should definitely reach out to Pablo. He's one of the guys that I call not just a friend of mine, but someone I could reach out to at a time of need, and I know he'll be there. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learned from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks, find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you wanna do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast, let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Quedarme contigo hasta el amanecer. Como tú te We're on with Ali Salama, the Middle East mental health ambassador, a world-class athlete, an unbelievable singer, super good-looking dude, super talented, the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. Ali, welcome to the Chief Executive Connector podcast, my friend. Habibi, 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 El Pablito, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm very, very honored to be here. Like all, 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 all aside, I, I really, really admire what you do. So it's uh, it's been like this since we met. The first like connection, it was just like, yeah, 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 and it was just go, 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 and everything's just been crazy since you know you pull, I, you, I, like you say something, I pull out my credit card, we show up in like freaking a remote place in North Carolina. Like what? This is a story. Like this is absolutely a fairy tale. So uh, I won't like dive deep into it. Like before you take the lead, I'm just gonna give you the lead and then go for it all right man hey the good news is we're still riding this fairy tale baby <laughs> still be in ali tell me what you're working on these days right now so i'm building the middle east mental health magazine um which is called empower mag and basically what it is it's uh, empower mag merges mental health with culture I call it the Middle East Mental Health Magazine right now because it is the only mental health magazine in the Middle East. But in retrospect, 
I have a global vision for it. And uh, it's not just a mental health magazine for the Middle East. It is, I'm aiming it to be the mental health magazine that merges mental health with culture. And what that means is when you think of brands that have had a profound impact um, on a cultural perspective, like Supreme and all those brands, you think of a movement that is way more than just a, a clothing line. It has a purpose. It has some sort of a feeling attached to it, some sort of an emotion. It's not a product. It's a movement. It's a community. And that's what I think like bonded us together so much because I'm not creating uh, another magazine, another like Vogue or whatever. No, I'm creating something that makes mental health, that makes other people's struggles not shameful, but cool to talk about and to discuss and get this shit right sorted so people can live better quality lives. And that's it. 100% bro, you know I'm in man. You know that the moment I met you, I heard what you were saying, the whole community aspect, I love it man. I also think how you got here is a pretty incredible journey man. So like where you're, you're why don't you tell people where you're born? I mean, yeah. I, I just wanna say something bro. When we were in North Carolina and you were like, man, I can't believe I got here. I can't believe like, this is what I'm doing. This is not a product of the West. You know, like yeah. that moment to me was the coolest, coolest moment, right? Cause somebody listening doesn't realize how much you have traveled already and how young you are man so 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 tell me tell me tell me where you're from man yeah so i'm from i'm born in cairo um born in born and raised in cairo i actually moved out of cairo when i was maybe like 12 or 13 so like all my childhood years were in cairo my adolescence years were were were, were, were otherwise but like we're abroad between actually yeah cairo uh, scotland dubai but but like I go like I've always been training ten times a week since I was six years old. Like I, but yeah, I'm privileged. I'll say this. I'll be very honest about it. But my mom was not the type of person I could get away with easily. Like I did not. Everything I did was on the freaking penny, on the dot. So uh, my parents were. My mom is very frugal. Um, we're we're like that. There's no shame in that. And I never took any anything that. Uh, in fact, anything that I got. Um, as, 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 as just mere privilege. I, I think, think it's a mere responsibility for me. And that's why I, I carry myself the way I carry myself. But like, let's take myself back a little bit. Yeah, I, I did travel quite a bit. Um, you know, I lived in, in, in Scotland for a while and then I lived in Dubai for a while. And during all of that, I, I, I actually, of course, it was very hard for me forming friendships and whatnot because I was always moving due to the nature of the job that my father had. My father had a really successful um, and uh, construction business um, that actually went bankrupt because of a mafia in Egypt during like a, a very, very it's a, some, something very bad political happened. And one night he was out of business, like and millions were at stake. So that's something that I learned uh, growing up is that when I want to build something, I definitely don't want to, I love Egypt, love Egypt so much, but the, the current state of affairs in it and, and the way that my family, like the way that my story evolved and the way I saw my dad struggle made me realize that, you know, I needed to, to come here to Canada, which is why I immigrated. Uh, and, and I've never shared the story before, but I feel like it's so important to understand that I feel like where I am here in this country, it made me who I am as a mental health ambassador, giving me all the educational material, building me into the person I am today. But I chose to stay in this country knowing that if I go back, this could be a possibility just just even though i love egypt it's my home it's where my blood is but 
from a, eating like from from a we say uh, from 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 a life standpoint from a security standpoint unfortunately my experience living in life and, and the fact is i'm very grateful for that experience so i'm not really like throwing some shit at it i'm just saying that if i if i were to learn something because you learn right you learn in your life from the shit that happens the, the the stuff the lessons i learned that i don't want my kids to go through that and i know that if my father was a little bit closer to me growing up um i i definitely uh would have loved that a, l- a lot more that makes sense man so you are you're 23 right now yeah and you moved to canada at what age 17, turning 17, 18. Right, so you've been one month before turning 18. Were you were you in Egypt during the Arab Spring? Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't in Egypt. So you're already out. You were in like Dubai or, or Scotland. Yeah, I was actually in. A, I was living in, uh, in 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 in, uh, in in Richmond Hill for 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 two years, uh, but I didn't like it. So I, I yeah. So when did you? I know that at some point you were a world class swimmer, right? Like at what yeah. point? When did you start swimming? Can you kind of talk me through? Uh, your journey with swimming and what brought you to this deeply caring about mental health? Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I said that when I was growing up, I was a very high energy child. I mean, my mom had very, and you, you know that, right? <laughs> my mom had a lot of obvious, dude. After spending <laughs> a weekend with you. <laughs> My mom had a lot of issues with me. I mean, like a lot of issues. I would cause a lot of problems at home. And uh, I always needed an outlet to express myself. I'm very, very emotional, very expressive. I like being around people. Um, and uh, swimming was something that, you know, required 10 times a week training. I, I'd come back completely gone. I, I don't know if, you, if, if anyone knows, but swimming requires one of the most highly like ca- caloric intake uh, from food wise so like i read about that one like michael phelps was like at his peak and like everybody was diving into everything michael phelps how he just ate and ate and ate and yeah. ate so like yeah yeah i was kind of jealous about that to be honest yeah like i think it was ten thousand calories or something like it was ridiculous ridiculous anyways i never got to that point but like i did i did i i was a very um I needed that outlet. Let's just put it that way. And then, of course, because I needed that outlet, I became very good at it because I like to shine and whatever I do. My mom always says, like, Ali, you like to always shine and be wow. And I think, think that was something that I had that need. I had the need to be very high achieving. Um, but of course, like with swimming, I learned a lot of things. And I mean, I hated it. I hated it. I hated the fact that I would wake up at 5.30 in the morning when I was a kid and I had no, like... I, I wasn't doing it to be um, successful and make my parents money. I wasn't doing it like some people, parents right nowadays, they just push their kids into careers so that they can sort of become the cash cow. That wasn't the case at all. My mom literally just wanted me to calm the fuck down and like be, be, be stable. So yeah, that, that sort of, I learned a lot from my professional career. And, and then I ended up swimming in the world championships in 2014 in Dubai. And then um, representing Egypt. Um, yeah, representing, of course, Egypt and my club in, in, in Dubai. It's called Al Nasser. So I got sponsored when I was living in Dubai for a club called Al Nasser. I was like the only non-local there, which the only Emirati. It was really cool, really cool experience. Okay, um, so it, was like a, it was like a club world championship. Yeah, yeah it was. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, and it was very, very crazy. I remember um, the, the guy in the lane uh, beside me was a Russian Olympian. Uh, swimmer and uh, you know you, you're, you're gonna lose like I mean I wasn't an Olympian I was a professional swimmer but uh, it's funny because uh, uh, when you're put in situations where you're like next to someone who is like the top of the top of the profession it makes you realize that um, wow like uh, things are reasonable uh, and uh, you can be unreasonable reasonable 
Um, so I realized that, you know, if I liked swimming, I could have done it. But I always swore to myself that when I love what I'm doing, I will be the best at it. And that's where I am today, where I'm at. I never planned it. Now let's take it to the mental health story because I think that it's good to transition. I moved here to, to, to Canada um, at 17 and just turning 18. And I was, of course, very confident. Very confident in the sense that, like, I just swam. I, I look I look in a certain way. I, 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 I could go in. I have a charisma, but, but I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't fit in at all here. I, friends didn't, no matter what you look like, whatever, they never wanted new people here, especially that I live in Ryerson, which is, I mean, I live in Toronto. I went to Ryerson University, which is a very, um, very centralized university. It's in a city um, right by Times Square, like equivalent Times Square, which is like Young, young and Dundas, Young Square. Um, so people were in and out. People were in and out. I didn't see anybody. And I hated the fact that I had a resume. Some people had resume mentalities. Oh, I'm just going to join the student group, get my resume, have some leadership skills. I was never about that life. And I hated people in those, even though right now I have a different perspective on leadership and why those groups were actually good and why I should have joined uh, because I, I would have learned a lot back then that I now have to learn manually, and that's good. But, like, I hated people doing things for resume and for people's paper, and I felt that that was so ingenuine and unauthentic. So I didn't even co collectively join groups where they welcomed me as a new guy. I wanted to sort of do it myself, and that was an egotistical thing. Anyways, before, like, slowly but surely, I got diagnosed because I, 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 I actually went mad. Um, mad in my own mind and my own sense not that every mental health patient is mad but like I completely meant went ballistic I, I lost my mind I started to feel like what the hell and of course chemical imbalances started to trigger and uh, I can't explain how everything went but that's just how things were uh, I didn't have a close support system I then understood now knowing what I didn't know then knowing that no matter how good you are in what aspect in life no matter how rich no matter how whatever you have to have a support system and you have to understand that humility is the root source of all happiness tell me tell me about you said you went mad what does that mean like you were you like did you self-harm were you just kind of like would you like be locked up in a in a, in a room for days yeah kind of thing, yeah 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 i would be locked up and, and i would see sometimes like I'd, i i i would i would have I would have depersonalized experience that I would go downstairs when I was walking to class. I, as soon as I'd walk out of my building, I'd feel like everyone's walking into me. And like, I'd feel, I'd see myself outside of my body. And it would be so weird because I would be paranoid 24 seven. Like, that's what I mean by mad. I meant that like, I, I would feel like everyone's energy is just coming into me. And I would feel like the lowest point of my life was I couldn't just, to the point where when I would sit next to someone in class during that couple of months phase, when it was like really at its lowest, like I would look to me and be like, dude, really? Like now before class, like he would look at my eyes, red dodge, like red, red shot, red, uh, like blood, 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 red. And he'd think that I'd smoke up and I never smoked up like back in the day. Never. So yeah. I, I, I realized that I couldn't hide that shit. And I realized that, wow, wow. Like, I'm really feeling something that I can't explain. And that's when I decided that this needed some serious tackling. And I never, never even read about it, never cared about it. And if I, out of all people, um, 
I was going through it knowing that I was the competitive guy, that, that I was the captain of the water polo squad, the, uh, like a record holder of my universe, uh, of my school, like all that stuff. I realized that, holy shit, like people are living in silence. Like, and that's when I put the a form out and I was like, share your story anonymously on my Snapchat. I mean, I was never like big, but I maybe had a thousand uh, people. Um, and then that just took off. And I realized that, wow, there's a lack of data. There's a lack of awareness. People don't even know what mental health is. People think that it's just like some sort of a, a crazy, wacko pseudoscience type of thing. And it's it's just basic human behavior and psychology. And I thought ignorance needed to be, um, need, needed some work. So that's, that's why I do what I do. So you put out a Google form on your Snapchat, right? Yes. Yes. And, and what was that response like? I got 147 replies within three days. I mean, 147 people pouring their heart and souls out, essays, like of abuse, of rapes, of every single dark, horrific thing you can ever imagine. And I wasn't even ready. I was just, I was in my darkest time. So I, I just put it off. But it, it just got a lot of reach and it got a lot of attention. And it was and like, and then media was calling me to like say, what are you doing? What is break the silence? And literally, man, it was a Facebook page. So you took that form and you put it on a Facebook page? Like you put those stories on a Facebook yeah, page? Yeah, I, I put my story on my thing, but then I started Break the Silence Facebook page independently. Interesting. So media started pouring out. What's the next step, man? Like how did you, you know, I, I want to get to the point, you know, like. Yeah. And then I just, and then I just was like, I need to take the form down. I took it down because I wasn't really in a great state of mind, but I realized that that was my purpose. And then and there, I realized that the only person that can see that those people's deepest, darkest secrets was me. I realized that I need to do something about it. Those people don't, they don't just write and, 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 and solve their hearts for nothing. I realized that, what am I going to do about it? Okay, I'm, in, I'm feeling shit, but am I selfish? Am I just going to say, oh, like, now I know it. No one's doing anything about it. I know if I put myself in the right state of mind enough, I know if I commit myself to, to healing, that I know that I can heal everyone. Not heal everyone by being a mental health professional, but by speaking on behalf of everyone and owning, their, and owning my voice and letting know that everyone could own their voice because I was in the same or like it's a very similar place. And that's, what, that's why it's called Empower because that whole notion comes from you know, the first letter, the first two letters of empower, E-M, if you reverse it, it becomes me, me power. Um, because everything is from within me. Uh, and that is the root core of great mental health, well-being, great quality life. I love it, man. I love it. So you get this, you're in this dark place, you get all this data, you decide you have to do something about it. Is that yeah. when you start empower or did you go find no, a stage no, no. to speak on? No, no, no. I actually was going to therapy. <laughs> okay. uh, that wasn't, I, I had to commit to feeling well before I ever decided to start Empower. Empower is very big. Empower, uh, like the idea itself, you have to live up to it. I mean, you have to be someone that, you know, represents and that needs a certain state of mind. And I was always self-aware to know that, hey, I'm ready or no, no. And uh, the worst thing ever is to start something very promising just to know you're not ready and to screw it all up. So, so I knew that. Sorry, man. Go ahead. Finish, finish. No, no, no. So how what? No, I was going to say, so how'd you start your speaking career, man? So how did I start my speaking career? I knew that um, when I started Empower on the 1st of March, 2019, after I, after I finally committed to healing, that was 2019. I got diagnosed like 2015, 2016. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, like yeah, 2016, actually. So it took me like three, two years and a half to actually like start something. 
um, it's not like a fairy tale type of story. It, it like really took a lot of in me to be the person I am today. Like a lot of journaling every day, a lot of a, a lot of inner work, a lot of building support systems um, to feel back confident. Like that dip when you take it, when you enter mental illness, don't expect to be the person who you were you always. Uh, you always work. First of all, you're never going back. You always go forward. The second thing is that. Um, a little bit of it will always stay there. Like you always will be prone to something again. And the third thing is that um, take expect it to take at least a year to go back and, and feel like anywhere close uh, because a diagnosis is a diagnosis. A diagnosis isn't a mental health challenge. A diagnosis is when you're probably two, like six to like two months feeling like there's a dark, like, of course, I'm not a mental health professional, but they say that it has to be at least long-term. And when we say long-term, we're talking about a month minimum uh, of feeling like constant, uh, negative emotions and that is of course very 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 intense um it changes your biology changes your neurology changes everything about yourself it changes the way you eat sleep um your person everything everything it's very dark and I, I do not wish it upon anyone else it's it's very harmful and i do get why a lot of people choose to to, to self you know disrupt in many ways um it is what it is, and that's why I do what I do, because I definitely want a lot of people to know that they're not alone. Um, and that that relieved a lot in me. That it relieved a shit ton in me. Um, but yeah, now how did I speak my speaking career? When I launched the Power Mac... Let, let, let me touch on that real quick. So how did you... during? I didn't realize that you had like a three-year gap between this uh, media exposure and then really getting started, right? Like I knew that you had an interest... I knew, I knew that you built out a career and stuff like that. How did you build that support system? Like, how, when when you felt alone in Toronto, you were you were going to therapy. How did you how did you build that support system? I started to be a little bit more aware of like my mom's friends that were here that had daughters or, or sons, and I started to actually take proactive measures. And hey, I want to see. That for me was never the case. I wanted people to see me. I didn't want to see people. You know, and it's so hard to say that, but. Uh, this is the truth. You know, you have to get over your ego and you have to be a little bit more understanding that you're doing it for you. You want to see them because you need them. And that takes a lot of humility, no matter how big you get. You need people in your life. You need people because you need to know that if you don't have people, I don't care. Look at what happened to Robin Williams. Look at what happened to like Whitney Houston. Some of the people that I admired growing up never had people. I mean, uh, who, who said like, I'm, I'm any better than them, right? Um, so, I understand. I understand that the need for people is so important. And that's how I started developing that support system. I started to reach out and people that I actually trust, people from my inner circle, that maybe I just was expecting something from them or I'd see them once every like three, four months when uh, when someone would, would, would throw or when their mother would throw a, a, an invitation thing. And um, so that's that's something that, you know, helped me out. That makes sense, man. And, you know, it's funny. I was just talking to my wife last night or the night before. And I was talking about how different I was in my 20s, man. Like I was talking about my, my period in California and just how, how self-centered I was, right? Like everything that you're saying that you realized during that dark period is something that I've realized later on in life. Like I always loved – I come from a similar – I mean I'm Hispanic Catholic, right? So I'm not <laughs> Egyptian Muslim, right? And I, but but I, I come from a, a pretty privileged background, traveled a lot as a kid, right? Like I, I lived in Venezuela and Miami and Spain, back in Miami, stuff like that and was always the star of the show. And yeah. I always loved having the attention. And I thought that the attention, you know, I thought people were there to be entertained by me and, and, mm -hmm. and, and to feed me that. And it didn't, I, it was this weekend, I was actually talking to Ina on the way back from the airport when I was telling her about how, how much richer my relationships have become once I realized that 
sharing vulnerability, even, even though I'm the funny guy and I'm the guy that's always made people feel good. The moment that I started actually asking my friends, you know, sharing struggles with them or identifying with their struggles and then being open about it and opening up that conversation, it completely changed my dynamic with people and it's made much, much richer relationships, man. Yeah, we all wear facades, Pablo. You know that, right? Like, yeah. I'm talking to you as a friend more so than, like, a host of the podcast. We all wear masks. And, like, uh, the question is, who are you willing to take off your mask for, right? Like, because yeah. I don't think, like, yeah, we take off our clothes to have sex, but, like, that's nothing compared to the real masks that we wear, right? Because you, you can sleep with anyone, but you can't really be vulnerable and open your heart to anyone. That's, that's something that, as men, we need to know. That's something that I, I really try to like pound very hard in my messaging because um you know uh, that's that's the real strength that is what true true strength is it's to come and say hey this is something that's been going on i own it it doesn't own me but i'm feeling great about talking about it i'm there and even if i'm not there i'm working towards that and that is what true true masculinity is to me totally agree man totally agree and it reminds me of uh, lewis house's book mask of masculinity where he talks about all the different masks that men wear um and how to- how it doesn't serve them so I, I totally recommend that book to you. I'll send it to you, man. You don't have to write it down. But um, I, you know, I wanted to, we met and you started, and we're going to get into how we met, but you told me the story when we, kind of the second day that we're talking with Riz in the lobby of that hotel of how you just parlayed up from Small Fry doing Empower Magazine to all of a sudden speaking at the World Health Organization and getting a, getting an invite to speak at Harvard, right? Like, I, I yeah. kind of want you to, I want you to talk to me how you, like, parlayed all those relationships and how all that got kicked off. Yeah, well, your, 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 your messaging is super key when you talk about community, Pablo, because that's exactly what happened to me. I mean, I harnessed the power of community to the femto, like, to the, to, to, to the, to the really small dot. Um, what that means is I, I'm always listening. And, you know, Gary Vee always says that. And regardless of what people think, believe, or have or associate their feelings with Gary Vee, um, some things he says is, is definitely right on point, and that's one of them. And I think that um, when I started Empower Magazine, I was actually on Instagram. Before I launched a WordPress, uh, the, the back end of the, of the magazine and whatnot. And uh, when I launched, I had someone refer me to the Harvard Arab Conference tell me I had to be there because for the first time in like XYZ, there was going to be a mental health professional panel and I need to be there if I'm seriously doing this. And that was going to be in Boston. I'm in Toronto, so it's a bus ride and like I have a US visa and whatnot, so I'm good. Anyways, I show up and this guy is, is Nasser Loza, Dr. Nasser Loza, whom slowly but surely I'll introduce and in how our relationship with him developed. He was just a guy. 60, 60 year old sitting as the keynote mental health speaker at the conference, the most renowned guy and uh, probably at the event. Um, I mean, he bypassed the mental health act law in Egypt. And to do that, like you're talk about a blue ocean strategy. Like no one ever, like no one gave people mental health rights. He basically, yeah. Anyways, he was talking about, you know, mental health and whatnot. And, um, we had a, then we had a fire a fireside chat, and in that chat, I started to like say, "Hey, this is what I do and whatnot." And he actually, I remember he 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 he. I was so high energy then that he put me on the spot, and he was like, "Hey, you should actually shut up because a lot of people have more stuff. Like some people have other things to say." Until this day, I screw up with him when we talk about. It. I was like, "Nasa, remember when you put me on the spot and you made me look, look like an absolute ass?" Uh, anyways, before then, 
when that happened, I, we just walked out. We bonded. He, I was very genuine. He was very genuine. He saw that. I told him, hey, that's what I've been doing. And he was like, we then had a formal relationship. Sooner or later, I find something in my inbox. Ali, I feel like you'd be great to speak at the World Health Organization's workshop meeting uh, that's happening in, 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 in Sharm El Sheikh. And um, you're invited. Um, I'm going to be there uh, as well because I'm the World Health Organization's consultant. And yeah, anyways, I show up, speak, becomes a big gig. I vibe with him over like, over, <laughs> over, over in his hotel room after the meeting. We become closer than like me and my father, man. Like, it's just, it's just nuts. The fact is, I get him on a personal level. He gets me on a personal level. This guy is now the World Federation for Mental Health president. Um, the same guy, I Facebook messenger like before i showed up even at breakfast when i was at your cottage like we share a very intimate bond a very trust-based bond and according to that of course i was able to get um into harvard uh, uh into harvard's competition and, and gain harvard's top seven most impactful social initiatives i mean he wrote a recommendation that was like audaciously good i i, I mean till this day i i i, I would frame it I, I send this stuff to my parents because i can't believe that and it's funny that all that is happening right now, but I'm just a kid. And you know me, Paolo. Like, like I just, I talk about this is cool, but at the end of the day, I just have, I know I have a big heart and I want to serve. And regardless of what, what titles I want to have, I don't care about that because at the end of the day, I know some people are out there not living that, with that energy. And I want people to understand that that's always a possibility if you choose and if you commit to yourself. And that's really it. That's awesome, man. So just one, you're at a conference Fireside Chat is like an open panel where people can ask questions. Yeah. You're just very enthusiastically asking questions. That leads to a relationship. This guy yeah. writes your recommendation. Now he's your mentor. Like you've stayed with him. You're, you've built a relationship and that's completely changed the trajectory of your life, basically. Right? Yeah. yeah, and like he owns the largest private uh, uh, mental health institution in the, in the Middle East. So he's a, he's a psychiatrist. He's like the, an honorary fellow at the Royal British um, uh, the Royal British like psychiatry. I don't even know, man. He's just like really, really, really he has it together. And uh, he's, he's opened doors for me and uh, I'll never forget that. And he knows that he's not doing it for favors. I mean, when I go to Egypt, his house, I mean, I sleep over at his house as well. Um, he has a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful house. It's like really nice in a nice, very nice neighborhood as well. I mean, to trust someone like that. I mean, I didn't know that he also had a, like he's someone who's very close to me is his patient as well. Um, so that also connected a lot of dots and things work together, Pablo. Things work when you put your heart out there, just don't ask how you're going to get there. Just go, don't expect anything. Just show up, show up fully, fullheartedly, just as how you put the mastermind together when we were at, uh, at, at your, at your, at your place. And, things just happen. You just don't question things. Just go and know that your heart is just going to manifest something that you don't expect. And it always expects, always magic happens. So that's really my life. I love it, man. So tell me about, tell me about your podcast, man. Your empathy always yeah. with podcast and the community you're creating there. So I got so pissed off when the magazine got that much recognition and I couldn't make a single dollar. That's why I started a podcast. No one really knows that. <laughs> but reality is, is that here's the thing. All jokes aside, the joke aside is that, is that when the magazine, how do you make people care about mental health? Like, for real, how? You have to reach decision makers. Okay, decision makers are leaders. Cool. How are you going to get mental health relevant to leaders? That's a big problem. That's like a design thinking type of problem in school. You like solve and you put all sticky notes and stuff. Cool. What was the medium that is popping out 
podcasting. Cool. I am so full of energy. I could totally whip a podcast. I mean, I'm a singer. Uh, I, I, I've, I've had professional, like, even this was my mic before I, podcasting came into my mind because I did covers and stuff at home. So for me, like, whipping something on Ableton or, or Logic Pro X is, like, a no-brainer. I, I already have plugins for that stuff. Cool. That is a no-brainer. Cool. All right. So what am I going to conceptualize? Podcasting? Spotify just invested 500 million, 2019. Never, this has never even done that for music. What does that mean? Cool. Then I need to get into the West and make sure that people care, care. Now with the recognition that Harvard, whatever, I started to call myself the Middle East Mental Health Ambassador. No one has ever called me that, by the way. I mean, until like a certain stage. And then slowly but surely, um, I started introducing myself and like, naming the people that I have connections with, naming that I'm backed by the World Health Organization and like, and like the World Federation for Mental Health now that Nasser was the president-elect. Uh, president and slowly but surely, I just started getting like world-class guests because I could be able to get people to care about mental health through the scope of empathy. That was a life uh, or a game changer. And when that started to happen, um, people just started to like vibe. And I think here's the thing. I speak about my podcast and all that, but in true sense, you and I both know that uh, innovation and creativity and curiosity is what's going to make some 15-year-olds um, millionaires in the next five years using the digital platform because they don't think about money. They actually don't think about money. They think about purpose. They think about what they love to do. And because I love mental health and because I love the fact that I know I could help people out, just figuring out the medium or the mode was never what's going to stop me because what people don't know is that I got the, the letter to go speak at the World Health Organization while I was interning at the Royal Bank of Canada at an, at an, interning, at an internship that wasn't even an entry-level internship. It was an 80K like, salary job, nearly. Like I made money in, in those four months I've never ever made in my life, and I'm okay to say that. But I, I took a step down and I said to my boss, because it was a commercial account, it was a commercial banking role, and I was actually wrote a million dollar credit for a client. Like, it was people don't get, but like, I, I gave up, I gave up some stuff for that. And I just had to make a decision what I felt, and I feel that this was so right. And now the podcast is charting number one in, in Egypt under nonprofit because the whole purpose of it was to empower youth change makers into becoming better leaders for the generation of tomorrow through the scope of empathy and empathetic leadership. And that's why the show is called Empathy Always Wins. And I try to make sure that I, it's something that I embody as well. And uh, that's something for, I think, other people to say if I embody that or not. Let's talk about empathetic leadership. How'd you, how'd you come upon that term, right? Like, I think empathy, I think thinking of the other and being of service, right? Like, what, what kind of examples did you have that, that, that brought you towards empathetic leadership and how are you applying that now? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, when I was going through a lot of struggles, my mom sent me uh, a bunch of books by Brené Brown. I think she changed a lot of things. And uh, what I started to realize is, I even said this when we were talking at your place, right? Leading with a strong back yet a soft front. That to me defines masculinity, empathetic leadership. It doesn't mean that I'm nice, that I'm sending hearts and emojis to my coworkers or whatever, that I'm just a sissy. No, when there's boundaries, there's boundaries. I'm just being nice. I'm just being so nice and I'm opening my heart, but people, like, they're, when there are guidelines, there are guidelines, and when there are things that need to be dealt with, there's things that need to be dealt with, there's languages, there's modes of communication. That all is empathetic leadership, understanding how to just switch from a mode to mode without, like, going, like, ballistic, like, without being, like, I'm sorry, but, like, without being, like... Uh, 
you know, in a sense uh, that people could relate to bipolarism being like that, right? Uh, not that it is, but like people have all those stigmas relating to, oh, now you're nice and then you're whatever. But empathy builds this sort of cushion around how do you lead people to find that what they are best at and serve them, but also serve the better, uh, the betterment of the organization or the betterment of the core mission that you're serving to. And I think in today's world where loyalty turnover and uncertainty are, are at their all-time highs, what's going to stick people together is a sense of community. And you can't build community without bonds. And bonds have to be very strong through empathy and understanding. And that's what brings people together from all walks of life. And in a country like Canada, like Toronto, it's the most multicultural country, one of the most multi-diverse countries. Uh, culture, uh, uh, um, uh, urban cities in the world. So I learned that, but in retrospect, it was definitely Brene that opened my eyes up to, and I would love to talk to her one day. Maybe I'll, I'll have her on the show. I love Brene Brown, right? My wife turned me on to Brene Brown like three years ago, and I've just, her language has become a lot of my language, right? The, the power with versus power over terminology is something that I speak about a lot. And I'm super, super into her, man. I'm so glad that she came around. Who else apart from Brene Brown? My mom. I'm mom. I'm mom. I think that uh, it's so like cliche to say all oh, that stuff and blah, blah, blah. But like my mom's father was a, a big general uh, in the army in Egypt. He was in the same um, graduating school as Hosni Mubarak, who was the president, who was the president of Egypt uh, for like the Mubarak era. Um, and who he passed away sadly a couple of weeks ago. Um, but my family, my mom grew up in a very strong household. And my granddad was a very, very, very well put guy. I mean, very well put in a sense in, in a sense that when he was at war, he would send letters, be very emotional. And my mom always brought me up and raised me up in a way that, Ali, your emotions are something bad to have. You just have to be responsible over them. You have to own them. You have to really, really, really communicate them well. And you have to be who you are and you are special. That's how I was raised up, and I've always like felt that. Uh, you know, I don't think something could ever take that away. Um, I think that my mom is definitely the root core of uh, my energy, my being, and who I am because uh, she was someone that you know we spent years together alone, and and uh, uh, even that's why I, I actually got into Justin Bieber at one time in my life because I felt like. He was the only person in pop culture I could relate to because he was with his mom all the time when, when I was younger. And it's something I never shared out, but, but like I, I was so emotionally attached to my mom that I wanted to see someone and point my fingers at someone who was like, yeah, he's doing that too. His mom's like traveling, he's singing on a stage or he's doing, and he's successful too. Because to me, that's how I felt I saw myself or I wanted to see myself at any point in my life successful, but also having that soft touch with my mom. Dude, that gave me goosebumps when you told me like the the idea that you got brought up as a male in the middle east from the middle east being told that your emotions aren't bad you just have to be able to express them yeah. i mean that doesn't happen in hispanic culture that doesn't happen that that really doesn't happen very much right like that's a conversation that's just starting to be understood yeah. thanks to the Brene browns of the world yeah and I, I find that so unique and it makes perfect sense of why you're such an extraordinary guy man so Wow, I that's. Think, I think I think one thing that I, I want to put out that my mom did as well. She never punished me if I said the truth. Um, like she never punished me by by saying how I feel inside. She like no matter how bad things were, 
because I was a very, again, troubled kid. Like I, I had a lot of energy in swimming and whatnot. Uh, that's why I actually had to do all that stuff. For, for But in doing that, I also got into a lot of altercations, into a lot of fights at home, into, into like bad-mouthing a lot of people. But like my mom always wanted to understand Ali. Like, just tell me the truth. What's going on like inside? And if you tell me what's going on, I don't ever want to punish you. I just want to understand you. And that to me was, you know, the, the, the cookie clutter of my life. That's incredible, man. Yeah, I, I hope parents listening to this take take note that it's not trying to get your kid to fit into something as much as just be their be their true selves and and understand their emotions. And you you brought up singing, man. You brought up saying that you wanted to be Bieber, and that's something I learned from you this weekend, right? Like I know that your original dream was to be a singer, yeah. but you have a very unique perspective on that, man. Can you tell me how you're thinking through the whole singing career thing? Because when I first met you, I was like, you walk up, you introduce yourself, you sing. And then and I'm like, oh, I can sing, but I didn't think that singing was going to be your life until I heard you singing for like 72 hours straight at my, at my house. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, I always say that when, if you, if you take two people together, who would you, like if, if two people were mixed up into one person, who would that be? I, I always say Tony Robbins and Justin Bieber, just because I have a very like motivational energy to me and I have this Bieber type of vibe as well at home. Um, I, I think that, like, look, I think when I started, when I come, to, when I came to Canada, a big dream of mine was to get into the music industry, like at 17. Uh, that's why I didn't really mix with people. I, I, I found a vocal coach and then I got it. That, that's like the really backstory of like me coming. Yeah, I didn't want to come to university at all. I didn't care, you know. <laughs> I just wanted to come for music. And like my mom and, you know, she, she knew that. But like, she's like, oh, you're just going to be, you're going to forget about it, all that stuff. But I had a dream. Like I, at school, I did, I... I was mocked for years for making a music video with my best friend for Ed Sheeran's Lego house. And I still have that to this day, by the way. I still have that very, uh, I would go into class and- You gotta put that out for Teachers, 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 and, and students would, would walk up to me and say, gonna pick up the pieces and build a Lego house. And like, I would be super, mo- and I, I was on the A squad of the football, of the soccer team. And I was the captain of the water polo squad. I was the record holder of the swim team. Like when those things happen, everyone's looking up to you and like those coaches are grilling the fuck out of you. You're like, no, no. And that was when I realized that, uh, no, I got to prove everyone wrong. Uh, but like, it was just, I love doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a kid. And, uh, and I think that now where the trajectory is going with music is before I just used to do music because I love singing. I love the way it sounded. I love how I felt. It was a very good medium for my emotions. But now it's more so of now I'm singing with a purpose. Now I'm singing because I have a story. Now I'm singing because I found kind of myself even though I'm still finding myself, yet I know what I'm trying to deliver. I know the messaging and I know from a branding perspective who I am. And I know if I sing this, it's not going to be me. And if I sing this, it's going to be me. Before I was just like, oh, this is a cool song. I'm just going to sing it. So now I feel like I'm not even an entrepreneur. I'm not a social entrepreneur. I always say I'm an artistpreneur because I am drawing that canvas with my own hands and my own decision-making into making sure that, okay, now we're going to have the, the Middle East Mental Health Conference or the Youth Mental Health Conference in the Middle East. I want to sing the song of the of the opening. I want to open that conference with this song. Why not? Because I can call the shots right now. And that's something that we live in an age where youth need to know that they can have that 
ability to create their destiny and like to create their fate or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I do believe that some things that are, are fate, like when you die and all that stuff, but like in retrospect, you can create so much more than you actually believe that you can through taking decisions, through setting standards in your life. Like just set the standard and live up to it. And you, you'll soon be able to connect with someone like you and be a very good friend. Like the fact is I'm 23 and we're connecting and you're 40, I believe 40, 39, 39, 39, 39, 39, 39. Cause I know you're telling me you're touching 40 when we met like, and that, that was something I couldn't believe. Um, the fact is that we can connect like that. That's, that's something out of the blue. Like that's something that just never happens. And I just want to put it out there. that age is just a number. Um, you can be 60 and you can be Connor Sanders making KFC. That, that's nothing. And the guy that, that started Canada goose, the brand is like 70 something years old. So Age is a mere number and the moment, how, how you use your life and how you use your age is what matters more than your age. That's all I want to say. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. So, so let's talk about how we met, man. How, how do we meet? Why don't you tell people how we met? Connect with Pablo! <laughs> we met a, a podcast movements, man. We met a podcast movements. You were there with Riz, I believe. And uh, I wanted to just hang out with, like, I, I was just hanging around there and I, I hate being alone. And I know you guys were having like a really sort of, gentlemen talk and whatnot i would like to always be involved in them and i just came and sat like stood there i remember there was a girl as well a woman as well there and she eventually left but we just started to talk uh, i got into the conversation with you and riz and you were talking about like i think it was the 10x conference or something and then sooner or later we started talking about wait what do you do what do i do and then you know i started i, I sang a little bit and like you were like oh no wait and like riz pulled out this phone and wanted to film some stuff and i was just like yo this is cool like whatever 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 but like we just that was the energy we were smiling all the time and it was just very pure and that and that's when i realized that like yeah dude you're hispanic you have that sense of like connected like you have that energy you have a warm energy and it wasn't uh, energy where sometimes when you when i do that some people are like oh no you're taking my spotlight away from me and i actually don't believe in spotlights like i believe everyone's their own stage everyone's so unique i actually want to empower people to be them i just love to show up when i show up that's really it um yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then we just started talking, man. And I, and I met you at Orlando Podfest. I didn't actually think that you were going to be there. But I took a plane to LA and I met you in a place. I took a plane to Orlando and I met you in the same fucking place. So I was like, what the frick is happening? Like, that was nuts. That was nuts. That was cool, man. So I remember a little differently, man. I remember being in that main hall and that um, the Latina podcaster lady was talking about how she's going to be the only Spanish presentation. And that's when you walk out. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, wow. I missed that out. I missed that out. I missed that out. I missed that so You're like, you got all jazzed up that we're talking Spanish. Like, you guys speak Spanish. Come on. Yes. Yes. Went right yes. Into it. You went right into it. And yes, then we yes. continued, you know, then we had to talk. I don't remember what was first or after. Right. But we were talking with Riz at that point. You know, I had seen you before you came up and sang to us. I had seen you going vendor to vendor, just being really methodical about the questions that you asked, right? Like I noticed that you like were very engaged. I was like, who's this young dude? I thought you were Hispanic at the time. I was like, who's this, who's this young dude that's just asking really smart questions? He's very engaged. So I kind of put an eye on you when you came when you came up and started saying, I was like, I like this kid immediately. Then I think we got into the wrist thing, and then we kind of got into like a breakout outside of a breakout session. I remember telling you, listen, man, I want to help you in any way that I can. Yeah, but, I remember, like, that we're in the hallway. remember that very well. But I also remember there was another lady that was just like basically saying the same thing, right? So I'm not surprised that a guy that comes across the way that you do has a lot of people coming into their lives being like, yo, man, I want to help you, right? Yeah. But you, 
you have some kind of you you rely on your energy to figure out who to actually connect with because then we're in Orlando. You know, we kept up, we kept up with each other, right? We spoke on the phone, didn't know that we we're gonna see each other in Orlando. Then in Orlando, I'm telling you you're having this event and you bust out your laptop and book it immediately, right? So mm-hmm. like what what's your what's your filter for that, man? Because you're gonna have a lot more opportunities coming <laughs> in your life. Like this is just beginning for you. And yeah. I, I just wanna I want you to talk me through how you evaluate who you let in your life because I think it's a really important thing for you, man. Yeah, and it's just based, my success is based on that. I think that, you know, I don't measure my success uh, according to any numbers. I measure it according to relationships. And that is a very gut um, feeling that I lead with all the time. I think that, um, you know, all the wealthy, all the happy people in the world, if they lose everything that they have, they will make it up the next day because of the people and because of the relationships and because of the know-how, right? We read people's books. But what fascinates me more is the person behind that book, right? I want to get in their mind. I want to, I want to connect with them. I want to, now I, own, I used to own a library. Now I own a library with people signature on their books, right? I'm that type of guy. I, I'm so curious. And uh, someone's title never phases me because I know I can impress them. Even if I don't have anything, I know I can walk up and just be a smiley kid and just impress them. Why? Because I'm happy. Because I'm making sure that people get, people gravitate to happy energy. And sometimes I'm sad, yeah, but like on the whole, I'm very grateful. And like, I don't, when I approach someone like you or whatnot, I don't want anything, man. I just want to connect and I just want to really just understand you. And that's the root of empathy always wins. Because when someone feels that you're not transactional with them, they start to realize, wait, that's a very weird person because everyone's not transactional. And then you just get to gravitate towards you. So that's really what I, what I do. I, I, I don't go in putting a, a goal. Hey, I need to network with 20 people. Those are 20 uh, business cards. I need to send an email when I go. That's fucking shit. I work my energy. And that is something everyone has. Everyone has a gut feeling. When you see someone, you know someone instantly is full of shit. He's full of shit. Yeah, that's right. Like, by the way, our ancestors like had that sort of uh, fight or flight mode because of that. That's something that we've inherited. So I'm just using my 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 inherent skill sets to to vibe in and out. And the funniest thing is that when you told me that your event was happening, I know what business you're in, and I know the people you hang around. And if the ticket was going to be 150, 200 bucks, that was going to be nothing in, 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 in retrospect of being around who you hang around with. Because to me, like, that, that's how I value life. I'm starting out. I'm a kid. I know that. Uh, I'll always be a kid, no matter where I am. And I think in many aspects, I see you as a kid as well with the energy and, and enthusiasm you have. And that's not something that, you know, we should take. Um, I think that childlike spirit is something people gravitate towards. So whenever someone has a, a, a doing something stupid or has an energy, people already are having that facade right in front of them. They wish they were that person. They wish they were that free. And when they see that their freedom inside of me, I feel like, wow, that's why they connect. And I know that that's a little bit of mind fucking, whatever, but like, that's really how I do things. You know, man, I was really hoping that you'd get to that point, right? Because I thought that that's what connected us. It's the, I, I keep telling people authenticity is currency, man. And the more that, the more authentic that you're being, the more that people like you are going to connect. And I love that you said, I'll always be a kid and I see you with childlike energy because I feel the same way, right? Like I, I, I think I, I connect up and down generationally to whoever is open to being curious, to, to, to being excited, to, to taking chances on things, to, to wanting to grow, right, man? So I think you buttoned that up really, really nicely. And now 
I'd like to move on to the bam, 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 lightning round, which right. I copied from listening to your podcast, my friend. Dude, so I got different dude, questions, but dude. I'm going to follow that format. This is the first Don't time I've We are family, man. We walk the same walk. You ready? Yeah. What is your favorite restaurant in your favorite city, and what dish do you like to get there? Chicken tikka masala, India Palace, Dubai. What content are you most into right now? This could be a book you recently read, a podcast you're into, the name of a person whose content you really follow, or even a TV show you're obsessed with. What, what, what content are you really, really into right now? Um, books. I'm a very books guy. I love podcasts, and I read books. Books. Like, what's, what's the last book that you read that really, really caught your attention? Um, it was um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss because I'm getting into really serious deals with the podcasting business that I'm having with Empower. Excellent book, dude. I love Never Split the Difference. One of my favorites. Yeah. What is someone or something that changed your mind about something you long thought was true? Hmm, this was a very good This is a very good one. Um, I think this weekend, this weekend, Jason, uh, about Jewish people. I never really understood Jewish people until I had the drive back with Jason and we connected like, like crazy. I mean, I always saw Jewish people like very well, but I never, I, I never knew that their true sense was like being so nice. In my culture, we're raised to think that, you know, there are enemies. I know, I know I'm from Egypt and Israel is like an enemy to Egypt, but I subconsciously always had that in mind and seeing the way Jason was, you know, that that's the closest thing I can get. His truth was so like profound to me. And I, I felt like we connected like, uh, and it was so deeply to me. I, I think that changed a lot of how I see the truth in that sense. Second time you gave me goosebumps on this podcast, bro. That's amazing, man. I'm really, that's, that's incredible to hear. What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Um, matter how far you go, always be humble. And I learned that from Mo Salah. I listened to his voice note with, uh, I think I told you that story, right? With, uh, with, with. Tell it again, bro. So like Muhammad Salah, before he became the, like one of the best soccer players in the world and certainly like the most iconic soccer player of Egypt, I, uh, I was training with, the, with, with, with his best, so his best friend is called Ali Mazhar. And um, I was, uh, I, I led, I led BFIT. So Ali is the founder of BFIT Egypt. It's the largest fitness entity in the, in the Middle East. I mean, they do classes. They're, they're like, they're like the bodybuilding.com of, of Egypt. And, 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 and Ali is a very big figure. Ali is a Nike ambassador as well in Egypt. And um, so Ali grew up as a soccer player. Ali was with Muhammad in the, in the, in the under, I think, 19 um, squad. And he went into a car accident and he stopped football. But him and his relationship with Muhammad always stayed the same. I.e. when now that Muhammad was getting bigger, I, when I was training with Ali, that was just before Muhammad made the Liverpool signing deal with, with them. And I was, I remember I was in a changing room back then and Ali sent his best friend who is, uh, is not Muhammad, he's, he's his coach. One of his coaches, one of his team leads at BFIT, um, I was changing with because we just finished our training and uh, he's called Muhammad Aid. So this Aid guy told me, Ali, come listen to this. So I, I put my ears close to the phone. I'm listening to this voice note. And like, uh, basically the translation was like, hey coach, um, you know, we're, we're just about to 
to go to like it's it's just about to be a very critical uh, you know transition in our life that was when muhammad was on the plane traveling to liverpool to make the biggest deal signing of his life from as roma uh, hey coach that was Ta'ali. muhammad talking muhammad sending that voice on Ta'ali, and ali forwarded to his friend or his team lead and i was listening in the changing room ali um that you don't know how much you mean to me uh, this has been a very crazy journey um, no matter what happens you know me and you will always be uh, the tighter than tight you know how family means to me without your support i wouldn't be where i am right now uh, this is the most important relationship in my life and i want you to know that i'm always here any second of it. and like an angel was talking and this angel had the press the press's attention all around the world so when i when i when 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 when, when that voice note ended he looked at me and was like that's so you know whenever wherever you go no matter how far you go you always fucking stay home bro and when he said that dude you talking about goosebumps i got shivers all over my body because i knew there and then whenever no matter how successful muhammad was lifting the the, the fourth best player in the world whatever i would always feel the same way that i heard listening to that angel um and that was how i went on about my business and that's why i don't think i'll ever be um you know up my sleeve because i think that uh this played a profound impact in how i see success and how i measure things and i never get too big on my boots just because i know that no matter how big things are i'll never be bigger than my mom you know that's a great story thank you for sharing that man that's sad. like i i don't i can hear that story a thousand times i'm going to ask you one last question but before that i want you to plug whatever you want to plug man like I, i've got all your social media handles i'm going to put them in the show notes but kind of call call the our friend that's listening right now Tell tell that tell him or her tell him where to where you want to connect with them. Yeah, I mean LinkedIn's a great uh, LinkedIn's a great way to connect with me if you if you, if you like to get into that that personal or professional network. Uh, you know you can you can sort of uh, send me and add notes that you've uh, heard this show uh, with me and Pablo. That's a great way. But also feel free to DM me on on Instagram. I think that I'm active on LinkedIn and Instagram more so than any other platform. So if you DM me just saying that you've heard this you've heard me talk with Pablo. Pablo is like more than a more than a close friend of mine. So it's not just uh, you know business here. It's it's really 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 personal connection. I really am hardwired to that guy, and I, I love him from from deep down. I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. And and your Instagram is Ali Salama everywhere, right? Yeah. Like everywhere is Ali Salama with two. Yeah, at A L L Y S A L A M A. Perfect, man. I also want to tell people to check out Empower Mag, right? So yeah. it's uh, empower-mag.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and empathy always wins as well. So empathy always wins. Which you're coming on as a guest next uh, in a couple of days. So, dude, high high standard to come on as a guest man that that the couple of episodes that i've listened man like your your friend uh, i forgot her name but who is a working on counterterrorism out of new york i mean just super i i anybody that's going to go go listen to episode number one man you're going to be hooked man you're a great interviewer you have really amazing amazing guests on the man it's gonna be an honor to be on that thing too no it's my honor man and i think that i'm honored to to have you you know uh, and to be on your journey not to just have your mind to be on your journey as well because i think that the most important thing is not just doing that yourself is walking the walk with people who are walking the walk so that you're holding hands and you're going at the same pace and and even if someone you know slips a little has a certain circumstance in their life you're there you're, you're there hard and square and that's that's really what it's all about amen brother so my last question for you is where do you find community i find community i find community uh it's funny. I find community online. I'm sorry. 
I don't find in a person. I every deep connection I made was now online because even 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 me with you. Yes, we met in person, but had it, had it not been an online thing that told me, hey, this podcast thing is gonna come. I think community uh, when you feel certain way when you're trapped like I was for for many years um, everything exists that you think you can fit into online yes you may have to be in person to go in person but finding that community it's definitely there and it's definitely online so how do you find it Mm, you know Instagram Facebook groups I don't know. I prefer personally, if I was struggling to find community, I would go on eventbrite.com and check out all the events under music, whatever. Go to a show. Realize that this guy that's a fan of this, like like mediocre or this 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 artist that's growing up, uh, is has shared same interests, and then I become friends with him. That's how community is to me. So community is all online right now, and it's digital, and that's why you know with empathy always wins. I'm all about harnessing the power of community in the digital era. I love it, man. Ali, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. I want to acknowledge you for being somebody that is so genuine. Your energy really lights up a room, right? Like we just spent 72 hours together with a whole group of people and you were just always singing. You're always happy. You're always excited, man. You are somebody that's going to get places and I can't wait to see you succeed my brother so thank you so much we're in this together bro we're in this together for life love you man I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did listen Connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency the bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com Watch the five-minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me, and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place, I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector.